0: The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports game Podcast generic is brought to you by Game Time, your home for the lowest price last minute tickets. Download the Game Time app today and use promo code SGPN for twenty dollars off. We're also brought to you by dog Fantasy. Sign up today using promo code SGPN, and then go to sportsgamepodcast.com/dog to enter our a bonus contest: five winners will receive shirts hats and a $50 SGPN gift card we're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets sports energy platform for parlays player props and game lines download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit at bets.com use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast. Network. It is currently early Saturday morning, February 24th, currently roughly 3 a.m. Eastern time. And I'm your host, Ois Scott Rochelle, once again going solo for this pod. Very early episode or late, depending on where you are in the world. But either way, one is we have three matches to talk about. We have the final in Doha and the two semifinal matches in Rio. Uh, a reminder, though, before we get into the actual uh, recap of the Thursday matches, of the uh, Friday matches, and the preview for the Saturday matches. Want well, to remind everybody to hit the like button and subscribe on YouTube. Also, a reminder if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple, that's fine. Just remember to leave a rating and a review. Also, a reminder to check out the merch store on the SGPN website for Tennis Gambling Podcast merch. We got t-shirts, we got mugs, etc. To support the show. Now, a couple of reasons why we are having this episode pretty late. First reason. Same rant as yesterday. Uh, You ended up seeing the oddsmakers take their sweet time posting the lines on the Navoni and Nori match. Why? I have no idea. The match ended, I don't even know how long ago, six hours ago, seven hours ago, whatever. And the oddsmakers continued to just wait. And as a result, I had to find the line offshore once again about six hours after the match, which I thought was insane. But either way, point is I had to sit there and wait for odds on the final semifinal matchup in Rio plus another reason was the actual marathon that took place between Zverev and Thompson which just ended so I'm going to recap that match in a second but that match took about three hours and 40 minutes it was an epic and that kind of was distracting uh, and preventing me from actually doing the show so either way point is time to get into the actual recap of the picks from yesterday's episode starting off with the lock ended up having a nice winner with the over in the Mensik and Monfi match over 22 and a half games a minus 110 went to three sets was really never in doubt as Monfi lost the first set then immediately went up a massive by a large uh, amount in the second set got a break immediately thought about maybe he was going to bagel in that second set did not though but he eventually won the set and then the third set it came back and won, but either way, went over the total of 22.5 pretty easily. For the dog, kind of an annoying loss there with Nori in straight sets of plus 105. Anytime you bet on a guy to win in straight sets, and he wins the first set 6-1, you got to like your chances, and then he ended up no-showing the second set, and then he killed Seaboth Wild in the third. So uh, Nori dominated the two sets that he won, but kind of took a nap there in the middle set to pick up a loss there. Nori was the clear better player for most of the match, But things kind of just went haywire in that second set for him. And as a result, we picked up a loss. Still like the value at plus 105. He did win the match overall, but unfortunately could not get it done in straight sets. Now, moving on to the actual recap for the Friday matches. Starting off with the matches in Doha, you had Kashanov beating Papyrin, which I thought he would do so. I didn't think it would be in straight sets, though, or at least to go under the number with straight sets. I'm not shocked the first I went to a breaker. It was a marathon 14-12 Kashanov got it done, though, and then Papyrin was completely out of gas as Kishanov ended up winning via double break in the second set as he won 6-2. Now, that's good for us because Kishanov is an outright that we have, so we do have one outright in Doha. We also have one outright in Rio. Unfortunately, Zverev did lose. He was our lone outright left in Los Cabos, so we do, we have no outrights left for the final between Rude and between Zverev. But Kashanov's there. So hopefully, he gets it done. He cashes us a nice outright ticket. Moving on, though, for the Rio tournament, unlike the previous days, you saw a bunch of marathon matches. In fact, every single match in Rio, all four, went to three sets. In fact, if you want to include Los Cabos and Doha, you had a total of eight matches yesterday. And six of the eight ended up going two or three sets. The other two had breakers and ended in straight sets. So a lot of competitive tennis yesterday, which was a lot of fun to witness. Either way, though, for the actual recaps in Rio, Sarandala got it done against Lahovich. got off to a slow start, but then ended up getting back on track. Did like the over in that match, so that ended up working out pretty well. And Lahovich did cover the spread, so that also worked out in general. So I had a pretty good read on the match in general. Thought Sarandolo was the more talented player, and he seemed like he's been really up and down based on sets. He's been really bad in some sets, really good in others, and the good outweighed the bad in that three-set match against Ljohovic. Then you had Baez against Montero, where the first set was competitive. Uh, Baez fought off a couple break points early, then opened up a, four, a 40 return game, which resulted in a break. Held on and ended up winning the first set 6-4. Then he almost got bagel in the second set, complete 180, as Montero took over the second set. And then Baez woke up again, and Montero kind of ran out of gas, as Baez did win in three. Uh, moving on, you had the Nori match, which I mentioned before. Pretty annoying. The two sets he won were 6-1 and 6-2. Ruined the 2 nothing though, as he no-showed the middle set, as Seaboth Wild did not leave empty-handed, but still lost. In the last match, you had Fonseca, who I was actually wrong about for the odds. I thought he might be a favorite in that match because when we did the recording, we couldn't keep waiting for the odds to drop. He was actually a dog in this match, and apparently rightfully so. Got off to a good start, won the first set 6-2, then ended up losing the final two sets 6-3. So nice run there for Fonseca, 17-year-old, going to be a very solid player for many years to come. But unfortunately, the Cinderella run at home ended up ending as Navoni got the job done. So Brazil had three players in the quarters in Rio, and they all lost in three sets. Not ideal for the home crowd. I'm going to tell you right now, though, in the semis, I'm going to be really annoyed if if Navone wins this event because I gave him out to win Cordoba, and he did not do so. Uh, So that ended up, uh, I guess I ended up picking up the wrong uh, tournament. I guess it's different because this one wasn't like Diaz Acosta, who actually won the event right after Cordoba. The point is, though, I've had a decent read on these young Argentinians who I thought can pose some threats on clay. And I picked the wrong tournament, but Navonde made a good run, and we'll see if he can extend that despite being a massive underdog against Nori on uh, Saturday. Now, moving on to the final two matches in Los Cabos, you had Ruud beating Paz in straight sets, 6-4, 7-6. And I'm going to save the Thompson match for kind of its own section because that was an all-timer. So it's really a story of Paz's career. I've mentioned it several times. And I'm going to say it once again, Post, the real issue with his game, you could argue it's the one-handed back with the unforced errors. Maybe that's connected. It's really just the mental aspect of his game, which I think is severely lacking. And I do think you're looking at a spot where I just think at the end of the day, Post tends to fall apart in big points. And he had a lot of chances against Ruud to potentially force a third set, could not do so as you ended up seeing... Sitsipas have three separate set points in the 4-5 service game, then had two separate set points in the 5-6 service game for Rude, and he couldn't get it done. It just seemed like Sitsipas was constantly threatening uh, late in that second set, and he kept blowing all the big points. So kind of a standard Sitsipas loss uh, just based on him against good competition. Defending champion, so I do believe he was a slight favorite. I think it was around minus 110, on each player, but Tsitsipas might have been a slight favorite in some spots. Point is, though, it was a pretty even match. Rude was better on the big moments, and that was the story of the match. And I also forgot to mention, by the way, Mensik got the job done against Monfi. Mentioned it before with the lock uh, with the lock recap, but he won the first set, then kind of no-showed the second, and then woke up again for the third. So props to Mensik there for getting it done. But Thompson and Zverev. Now, normally, I can kind of group Zverev with... Uh, Sitsipas for the same mental blocks in their respective games. They struggle in big moments. We've seen Zverev choke before. I'm going to give Zverev a pass uh, in this match, because this match was just simply put an epic. It was an all-timer, and even though he was the pretty decent favorite against Thompson, crazy run by Thompson. I'll mention that in a second. Uh, But the point is, Zverev, even though he's been known to fall apart in big moments in the past... He did fight off five match points while trying to stay alive in the 5-6 service game. He did so, then was out of gas, and he got killed in the breaker. But I'm not going to roast Varev for falling apart. If he fought off five match points in the 5-6 game and then ended up losing in the breaker, he just ran out of gas. Thompson went into wall mode, and then he ended up losing in the breaker. I'm not going to fully roast any player for losing an epic like that. It was easily the best match of the year so far on the men's side. You can argue for the women's side if you want to mention the blink of a match against Robacana. Solely based on the tiebreaker, you can. But the point is, it was an all-timer. Definitely the match of the year. Probably the best match that I've seen since... Maybe You can argue maybe the Sinner-Djokovic-Davis Cup match or definitely the Alcaraz-Djokovic-Cincinnati match, which is still the best three-set match I've ever seen. But it's up there as an all-timer. Three hours and 40-plus minutes just to finish that match, which is crazy. Uh, so I'm not going to roast Zverev too much for it. Yes, we had an outright for him to win. Lost a 455 favorite. But Thompson just has alligator blood. He just refuses to go away. Three hours and 40 minutes. I'm going to give Zverev a pass. Props to Thompson. I don't know how he's going to have any legs left for his final against Rude. His legs probably feel like jello right now. They got the job done. And Zverev fell short. Thompson, though, has played for 10-plus hours on court. When you factor in the win against Verev in three hours and 40 and the insane comeback against Mickelson, props to him. I mean, the amount of mental toughness that he's shown and just mental fortitude that he's shown for the last couple of nights in particular is all-time stuff. So shout out to Thompson. He's on a man on a mission. We'll see if he runs out of gas against Rude. I'm not going to cover that match, though, in this episode because they're going to release the odds at like 7 a.m., and I can't wait that long. So that's why we're going to skip it. But props to Thompson. Wanted to always mention that match in general. Now it's time to preview the actual matches in both Doha and in Rio for the Saturday card. But before we continue that, I'm going to have a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but I personally love attending sport events in person. It used to be very annoying to actually find a ticketing platform that I could trust. But that changed once I found Game Time because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have a lot of great features on the app, including my favorite feature, which is the image of the seat views, which is very useful because I'm sure we've all been there before. You bought a ticket. You thought you're going to get a nice view of the action. And then you realize there's an obstruction, a pole, something in your way. And you realize that you just paid money for an event that you could barely see based on the seats that you got. That will not happen with game time because with this feature, you're able to see a preview of the view you would be getting. If you ended up purchasing that seat, so you end up knowing exactly what view you're going to get before spending your hard earned money. It's also worth mentioning that game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget plenty of months in advance. Game time is deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, theater, comedy, and more. And the game time guarantee also means you'll get the best price available every single time because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you one hundred and ten percent of the difference. So, second takes without the stress. With game time, download the game time app. Create an account. Use code SGPN for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code SGPN for twenty dollars off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to pull inside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NBA, NHL soccer, and college basketball. Simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in. And SGPN is currently teaming up with Underdog to give you even more of a bonus. Sign up between now and the end of the month, and five winners will receive an underdog hat, an underdog shirt, and a fifty dollar. SGPN gift card. Sign up today using promo code SGPN and then go to sportsgamepodcast.com slash dog to enter the contest for your chance to win. And when you sign up with the promo code SGPN, Unrug W double your first deposit of $200 to Dog Fantasy promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished recapping the matches from Friday. Now it's time to get into the actual matches for Saturday. Now, starting off with the final in Doha taking place between Kashanov and Mensik at roughly 10 a.m. Eastern Time. I'll uh, look at the actual odds for this matchup. Kashanov is a pretty big favorite here as he's around minus 240 on the money line, where Mensik is around plus 200. For the game spread, Kashanov is minus two and a half at minus 130. Mensik is plus two and a half at plus 110. For the over under, 22 and a half. The over is minus 120. The under is even money. For the set spread, you can find Kashanov and straight sets at plus 115. You can find Mensik to win a set at minus 145. Match to go two, three sets is plus 135. Now, Mensik has been on a very solid run. It's the deepest run he's ever made for an ATP event because this is his first ever ATP final. So we have seen a couple of first time winners already this season. And Mensik is looking to add his name to that list. He's been really good so far in this event. Now, it was a pretty funny story. They asked him why he chose to go to Doha, and his answer was because they give me a free because they're going to give me a free iPhone, and it's apparently one of the perks of playing in Qatar. They got a lot of money over there in Qatar, and they gave every player who ended up playing in the event a free iPhone. Nice perk. That's why Mensik showed up, and now he's in a final. So that's a nice consolation prize, I guess. But the point is, you're looking at his overall path: beat Fakina in straight sets, beat Murray in the three-set marathon, beat Rublev in straight sets, and beat Monfee in three sets on Friday. As for Kashanov, he's had a much easier path because he has not dropped the set yet, ended up beating Morozin in straight sets, played three games against Rusevori before uh, Rusevori ended up getting injured and withdrew, and then he beat Papyron in straight sets on Friday. So you can argue maybe the moment will be too big for Mensik, I'm not going to buy that narrative because he looked really good in some big moments in that third set against Monfie. So I do think he's in line to look sharp once again. I find it interesting and kind of fitting though. This is the matchup we're getting in the Doha final because watching Mensik play over the week, and I've seen him play before. I I had a couple of bets in him in the U S open and it actually worked out pretty well for me uh, this past U S open, but still watching him play. I know the heights a bit different. He's younger. He reminds me a lot of Kishanov. I see a lot of similarities between these two players, and I do think that Mensik is going to blossom into a future top 20 guy, top 30 guy minimum in my eyes. But the point is Mensik, I think, is in line for what can be a good showing. The main issue, though, is fatigue. He's been on the court for a long, long time. In addition to playing an extra match than uh, Kashanov has, just for reference, he's played Roughly five more hours on court than Koshanov has. So fatigue might be an issue. We saw it kind of be an issue in the late second, early third sets against Munphy, As he went him a break early, then immediately gave it back. And it seemed like him and Munphy constantly had their, hands on their knees where they were just exhausted. Now, Mensik eventually woke up and maybe that's because Monfils was older and didn't have the stamina anymore. But either way, the point is Mensik's played a lot of tennis. Gashanov really hasn't. And I do think that's going to be the story of this match. Not to mention, I do think both players are pretty similar stylistically and Gashanov's done it for longer. I'm going to link Kishanov here. I think he wins, maybe a breaker in there, but I'm actually leaning straight sets. I think it's going to be relatively straightforward. I think that even though Mensik is a very good player, young player that I've been a fan of watching him for the last couple months, I do think that eventually the fatigue will uh, be too much for him to overcome. And even though he was able to overcome it against Monfi, Kishanov's been really consistent. Really good in the event. I gave him out to win the event because I thought that his overall style of play would translate well to the courts, which I guess makes sense because Mensik plays a similar style, and he's also in the final. But I'm not going to back out now. If you want to uh, end up hedging the Kashanov outright that we gave out earlier in the week, you can at 2-1. to one. Not a bad cash-out option uh, if you want to do that, but still. The point is I do think Kashanov's going to win. I am going to link the straight sets. I'm going to link to the games here at minus 2.5 I just think Mensik is, of course, a very solid player, but it's a big moment, and I wonder if the legs playing five-plus hours, give or take, more than his opponent in the final, is going to come back to bite him. I think it will. So I'm going to lead to Gushanov here, minus the games, and I'll take Gushanov in straight sets at a pretty good price, in my opinion, of plus 115. Moving on to the semifinal matches in Rio, you have Baez taking on and as buys around minus 158 on the money line, and surrendalo is around plus 138. As for the actual game spread, buys minus two and a half is minus 105. Surrendalo plus two and a half is minus 115. Over under in games is 22.5. The over is even money. The under is minus 120. If you want to go for the set wagering, buys in straight sets is plus 160. Surrendalo in straight sets is three to one. Match to go over two and a half sets is available at around plus 135, and the match to end in straight sets is minus 150. Now, the head-to-head between these two has been very competitive as they faced off four times. It is tied two to two, and two of the four meetings, two of the last three actually, have gone to three sets, and all four meetings were on Clay, so I can actually use that for the sake of trying to draw takeaways from the head-to-head. Now, only one match was in 2022, all the other matches were 2021 or before that, but still. The point is Baez has been in a slight advantage in the head to He did beat him in Chile in 2021 and in Brazil in 2021. Not this event, though, uh, but those both went to three sets. And they faced off in Bastad in 2022. Sarandolo did win in straight sets. Now, both guys have had... A pretty interesting path as Sarandolo went to three sets against a relative unknown in the first round, then killed Ramos-Vanolas and ended up going to three sets against Lajovic in the quarterfinal match on Friday. As for Baez, he was cruising early in the event as he ended up beating Mutet and Diaz Acosta in straight sets. And then he faced off against Montero and the match got interesting because he no-showed the second set and then regained his composure and won the third set easily with a double break 6-2. So the point is, I do think Baez should be favored. Now, do I think it's going to be a lopsided match? No. I think it's going to be very close. Simply put, I think it's going to be very up in the air. And as a result, I guess you can argue there's value on Surundalo, But I'm I'm kind of viewing it like the Sarandolo-Lachovic match, where I do think the favorite is going to win. But the price just seems off to me, where I don't think minus 158 is indicative of how close this match should be. And because of that, I guess the value is on Surundalo, kind of like what I said in yesterday's uh, show, where I said I thought Sarandolo would potentially win, but I thought the line was too big, so the value is on Wachowicz. I feel kind of the same way, but this time in favor of Sarandolo, where I think Baez should win the match, but this, this number is too big. I think you can easily find a better price in play. And as a result, I do think minus 158 is a nice pass for this game, Uh, for this match, I mean. I would have linked to Sarundalo based on the actual money line price. I am going to link to the games, though. I think the plus 2.5 is tempting at minus 115, I do like the over quite a bit, especially the set wagering. I really do like the over two and a half sets. Sarandolo, I've mentioned it before. I'll say it again. He's been very up and down in individual sets. He can look really sharp and win a set 6-1 or 6-2 and then get buried 6-1 or 6-2 in the next set and then regain his composure again for the third. The point is, though, he's been up and down, and Baez did have a pretty similar uh, actual script in his match against Montero in the quarter's. Give me the over two and a half sets. Two of the last three meetings on clay between them have gone to three sets. I see a similar story here. I really like that price at plus 135, so I'm going to take that as my main uh, option for this match. I think Baez is going to win, but Sorondolo will not go quietly. It should be close. Give me an up and down match for both guys. Flip a coin, but I do think that Baez will eventually outlast Sorondolo in the third set. So maybe if you want to go for Baez in three, I don't mind that for a pretty decent I'd say long shot play, but I am going to go with the over two and a half sets instead as the safer option. And moving on to the last match of the episode, we're going to look at a matchup between Nori and Navone. And Nori is a massive favorite. He's around minus 550. Navone's around plus 375. Over under is 20 and a half uh, for straight sets. And uh, Nori's around like minus 160, give or take. Nor have we got now right to win the event, so I'm happy with this current number. Uh, I think Navone is a very solid young player. It's why I took him to win Cordoba as a long shot. I recognize the talent was there. Then unfortunately ran out of gas against baena in the first round. He started cramping, but still, point is Navone is a solid player. Went through qualifying, ended up beating Coria in three sets. Good win there. Destroyed Hofman 6-1 6-2, and then ended up beating Fonseca. The, who was on a Cinderella run in three sets, avenge the loss he had against him in the only head-to-head meeting in the past. But the point is, I do think, I do think Navone is a good player. However, Nori's defending champion, and he's been really good in this tournament. Now, he did drop a set. He screwed us over in the quarterfinals against Seaworth Wild by not winning in straight sets. However, all six out of seven sets that he's won in each of those sets – He's dropped to less than four games. So Nori has been destroying people in sets that he has been fully engaged in, and I think Navone is going to lose because of it. Navone had an emotional win against uh, Fonseca in the very pro-Brazilian crowd, and I do think that you can argue with this being the biggest match of his career, being in his first ever ATP semi. Maybe the moment will be too big for him. Maybe fatigue will be an issue. I just think Nori's the better player. I'll take the defending champion to get the job done. The issue is finding value because 550 – for the money line, and once again, minus 160 for straight sets. There's really no value on that at all. The question is, do I think Navone can actually win a set or make it competitive? I think maybe he'll make one set competitive, but Nori's a lefty, a unique angle for Navone to deal with, and he is the defending champion, so he's very comfortable in Rio. I just have a hard time picking Navone to pull off any surprises here. I think Nori's going to win. Maybe a breaker in there, but I'm not even sure Navone wins a set. So I'm going to lean to Nori here to get it done in straight sets. Not a great opinion. Not really a bettable match, to be honest, based on the price points. Maybe if you want to go for the over, maybe a team total over on Navone, and you want to give him the benefit of the doubt of keeping it competitive, maybe you can do that too. But I do think Nori will eventually win the match and advance to the final. Hopefully so, because once again, we have him as an outright to win the entire event. So hopefully Nori gets it done. Now that's going to wrap it up though for the actual previews of the Saturday matches. Now it's time for the Lock and Dog Picks. But before we continue that, we're brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger by betting smartest NBA season with Hall of Fame Bets. Sports betting, and platform parlays, player props and game lines. Research every NBA and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter and any parlay to and Hall of Fame Bets is a revolutionary problemizer tool to get hit rates working down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to warn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, dad-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app at bets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished recapping the... Friday matches and previewing the Saturday matches. Now it's time for the actual lock and dog picks for the show. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go to the final in Doha. And even though I do like Mensik quite a bit, and even though it might be dangerous because we already have an outright on Koshanov to win the tournament, I am going to go with the spread as my lock. Minus two and a half, games of 130. Simply put, Koshanov has been dominant so far in this event as he has not dropped a set yet. And Mensik looked exhausted in his match against Monfi. Yes, he got it done. But the fact is, he's been playing a bunch of matches with not much time off in between. It's the biggest match of his career, and you are looking at a guy who I do think can struggle in some of these longer rallies as the match progresses. I do think Kashanov's serve and Mensik's serve are comparable, but I probably would lean to Kashanov's consistency a bit more based on first serve percentage. But still, the point is Mensik's in a big match here, and I do question how his stamina is going to look in this matchup. And as a result, I think Kashanov's going to look comfortable. He's not dropped a set yet. I think he's in line for a good showing here. Give me Kishanov to beat Mensik, in my opinion, his younger form, as I see a lot of similarities between the two of them. But I think that Kashanov is obviously the more polished player. Give me Kishanov to win in straight sets uh, in general, but I am going to go with the minus two and a half games just in case. I think even if we see Mensik win a set, we saw him lose to Manfis 6-1, There's a chance that he punts a set in there or mentally things go poorly and he kind of self-destructs. A couple ways to get there, but give me Kishanov, minus two and a half games at minus 130 as my lock. For my dog, I am going to go to the match in Rio between Baez and Sorondolo, and I alluded to it before. I really do like that over two and a half sets at plus 135. Sorondolo's gone to a deciding set in two of the first three matches in the event, so he's no stranger to going deep, and we know that his style of play can be very up and down in actual in actual matches, and you might see him look very sharp in a set, then really, uh, I'd say, dull in another set, and then he'll wake up again for the third. But Baez did the same thing in the third set, uh, or in his three-set match against Montero, because he was very good early, then punted the second set, 6-1, and then woke up again in the third. I can see each player kind of taking turns to find their form, and that might result in a three-set marathon, but the fact is, Surundalo has been involved in a couple of three-setters recently. Baez went to three sets against an inferior opponent in the quarters, and... The head head's very close, tied 2 2, and each of the, or two of the last three meetings have gone to a deciding set. So the point is, I do think you're looking at what should be a competitive match, a match that should come down to the wire, and it's plus 135 for the match to go three. We saw all four matches in Rio go to, or all four matches in Rio go to three sets on uh, Friday. So the point is, I do think you're looking at a spot where this should go the distance. Give me the over uh, two and a half sets here as my dog so once again the picks for the show the locks going to be on kishanov minus two and a half games at minus 130 and the dogs going to be on Baez and Surundalo over two and a half sets of plus 135 that's gonna wrap it up for the show we're back once again uh potentially to go through the matches in los cabos we'll see uh because there's one match left that's gonna be taking place later uh, on a saturday night so maybe i can get that episode in we'll see if not, then we're back for the tournaments, or I should say the final in Rio. But until next time, though, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.